This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit candowealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to a special Saturday edition of Coffee House Shots. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Hill and Fraser Nelson. Can Rishi Sunak unite the right or will they eventually lead to his downfall, whether politically or electorally? Fraser, this week you can't really move without seeing a story about Boris Johnson most days. The the comeback that has been dominating the news, I think, for several months now. Is this something Rishi Sunak really needs to worry about? This is a question which my colleague Will Moore and I were discussing earlier on. Um, is Boris on manoeuvres, or is it simply the fact that Boris can't so much as buy a sandwich without attracting press attention? And now, we do know, by the way, the situation's quite obvious, that we've got a Tory party that has been at each other's throats. They have been internecine civil war to the extent where they almost killed off the party in the Truss era. So Sunak comes back saying, look, guys, I know that I can't even win an election in my own party, but maybe I could be your leader and I will be a coalition leader. I will give a little something for all of the functions of a Tory coalition. You know you hate each other. You probably don't like me very much either. However, we also know if we fight each other, we all lose. So let's pretend to be united. So that's what's happening right now. There is a very uneasy truce. Now, Simon Clark, who was Liz Truss's, probably a, the last remaining Trussite, in an interview with, um, you, with you, James, last week, he made a very interesting point. He was saying, what well, he said, that was Tory party still at the Civil War, didn't he, or something like that? Yeah, there's an ongoing battle. Basically, there's a sort of vacuum about which agenda is going to sort of triumph in that. There's an... But he said this is an ongoing thing. Yes, He's it's saying... an ongoing... It's, yeah, sorry, it's not a past. It's not done and dusted. These factions still exist. They're all there in Parliament still. And you saw that with the debates around a planning bill. Uh, sorry, the planning targets and on the levelling up the, win- the Windshore Amendment as well. Yeah. Now, not only does he think that there is an ongoing civil war, but he was plotting a new group of MPs who was, he was saying, make the arguments for his style of politics. So what was he calling them? The next-gen Tories. The next-gen Tories. He had something like nine members and one of them was George, uh, was Matthew Hancock. I think they're growing all the time. He, predict, he predicts dozens and dozens over the next time. Right. But, but you, you see the situation. So we've got a, a whole bunch of Tories who, after having been fighting each other, have all sort of frozen and then decided not to fight each other. But they all know the battle's still going on. They're cramming it with grips. And Richie Sunak is eyeing this nervously, thinking, how long can I hold this? What he's worried about is May, the May elections, mm. where he is likely to get spanked. And at that time, people might emerge saying, look, this guy is obviously taking us down the kazi. Might it be time for somebody else? Now, let's go back to Boris. Will that other person be Boris? The bookmakers say so. Boris traditionally is seen to be an election winner. But I will reserve judgment on that. I have not yet seen Boris Johnson exhibit what I would describe as suspicious behaviour. All he's done is write a diary for The Spectator, a very good diary it was, and showed up to the Carlton Club when they unveiled his portrait. It'd be rude not to. I'm not sure they're going to unveil this Truss's portrait, but she'd be doing that as well. I haven't seen him being in what you might call manoeuvres. Mm. That's not to say people aren't manoeuvring on his behalf. But I think, so, I think there is civil war right now, but I don't think that Boris Johnson yet 
is a malefactor in this drama. Also, it could also just be the case, I think there's always going to be a group in the Tory party who want Boris Johnson back, just as there was a group that thought Boris Johnson should never have left in the first place. Yeah. And actually... There's a lot of crossover between those two, I'd say, as well. But that's a big question. How big is the We Wish Boris Was Back group, do we think, in the Tory party? I think it's the true believers at the moment. But how many are we talking? A dozen, two dozen? I, I think you potentially have two dozen Tories who would like him back tomorrow. We knew we had a hundred willing to back him as leader, don't we? Yeah. We know that because he was all set to stand against Rishi, but then he didn't. But he said he could have done because he did pass the hundred MPs threshold, but only just. But that's yeah. about 25 to 30 percent of the party. And even that, you, you have to wonder, as we were talking with Katie the other day, is that number going to have gone down or up as a result of October and since then? I mean, I think he left a couple of people high and dry in, in the lurch after what he did in that uh, October, mm-hmm. his shenanigans. But what, what I think he discovered then was that after the trust debacle, there were, he just about scraped 100 MPs, as you say, about a quarter of the party, to say it's time for Boris. But a lot of people, even people who were his former supporters, were saying, no way, we can't have you back so soon. Now, perhaps he's thinking to himself, OK, maybe it was too soon. Maybe I'll give Rishi until May and then I'll see if they change their mind. So I think we can see a Boris Johnson toe being dipped in the water at some point. The two events that I think before May are to watch out for are, first of all, he said he trailed in those remarks at the Carlton on Tuesday, which is about the Northern Ireland Protocol, and he warned that, you know, not to betray his legacy on Brexit. And so I think that might be something if he kind of sort of gangs up with those ERG Tory MPs concerned about Brexit, that could be something to watch out for. And the second thing is um, the Privileges Committee inquiry, and uh, if you can get around that. So those are the two things which might change something. What I would say is perhaps a note of caution, which is that a lot of the people who are sort of puffing him up for whatever reason have a degree of um, self-interest in these um, claims. And I also think it's probably worth pointing out he's making a lot of money from the speeches, and clearly his value is going to be a bit higher if he's seen as being a potential Prime Minister once more. Yeah, that's right. I actually thought we got him for a really good price. We got him for the diary. Given that he's, I mean, you know, by our standards, quite a double it next time now, Fraser. Fraser, if we're saying effectively right now that the Boris Johnson situation could grow, and actually, you know, if it's a small number of MPs right now saying they want him back. Ultimately, if things get much worse for Rishi, he could start to actually wear MPs over for these various different things coming up the track. There's also a report today suggesting that he would look quite like a safer seat. Maybe he'd just uh, settle for that and then move on from there on in once he had a safer seat and definitely not pose a problem to Rishi Sunak from his safe seat. Has he not been reselected already? For He said he wants to fight the next election. But nothing is going to stop him from trying to change the seat near the time. So his majority is about 7,000. Right, but, but they've reselected him, haven't they, recently? Yeah, but he can go elsewhere. Pretty rare thing to do to accept reselection for a seat and then go to a place where it is safer. You're still a prime minister. But Fraser, if we are saying that it seems pretty unlikely right now, is the bigger threat to Rishi when we're talking about the right of the party actually in terms of the electorate and also, I suppose, in terms of the right of his party worrying about the current polling and trying to move Rishi further to the right to, to fix that? Well, this comes down to a point, Katie, you raised in your political column for this week's magazine. How afraid should they really be of Richard Tice and reform or whatever name his party is going by because it does change? Um, now, David Cameron was um, dismissive of Nigel Farage, famously saying that UKIP followers were um, fruitcakes, racists and loonies, etc. And he just didn't believe it was possible in the British system for there to be a serious threat from the right to a Conservative Party. So the way that Cameron saw it, he could make as many concessions to the left if he liked, because if the right-wingers didn't like it, who were they going to vote for? They were going to vote for Labour over Lib Dems. But then he quickly found out 
that Britain is not immune from a phenomenon we've seen in Europe of new political parties growing from nowhere, reaching the top of the polls, which they did for the European election. UKIP came first. So the question is, though, is that Nigel Farage is a very talented political entrepreneur. If Nigel Farage isn't there, can you really get UKIP? Can Richard Tice really do what Nigel Farage did? You might like, you might hate Nigel Farage, but nobody can deny the influence which he personally had over British politics. And if it wasn't Farage, could somebody else do it? I don't think they could. And even Farage now might have lost his bites after, anyway, vowing not to come back to politics, etc. So this is an open question. I think the Tories learned from the UKIP debacle not to be complacent about this and not to ignore completely the threat from Richard Tice. But I think even Richard Tice is struggling to come up with much of narrative right now. The narrative he'd have to go for is Brexit betrayal. That's obviously what Boris is gunning for as well, given that his um, rem- remarks in the Garden Club. But right now I can't really see a political opening, although that might change. And we know from the Farage experiment that British politics is malleable, that it can change very quickly if there is enough provocation and a political entrepreneur talented enough to fill the space. James, you interviewed Richard Tice about a year ago and he was talking a very good game about how reforms' uh, electoral fortunes were about to turn and actually it really did fail to transpire. So what do you think is going wrong for reformer has at least at this point? Is it the fact, in a way, they've been focusing a lot on being a low-tax party but actually it seems that where I think the Tories are the most worried be a party that would outflank them on small boats, which reformers now started to try to do. Yeah, I think they've gone up a bit and I think they're now around sort of 6 7% in the polls, which is obviously hurting the Tories disproportionately. Um, I think you're right, though. They need to sort of have a singular focus on immigration and small boats. And you think about Rishi Sunak's pledge the other day. Uh, I think that would be the key of those five things. I think the key thing for reform to focus on. The difficulty is if you can't do Faragism without Farage properly, I don't think whatever Ticism would be would work so well because I think Richard Tice is um, personally likeable enough but I think he's a bit more of a kind of classic 80s Thatcherite style Tory and he's trying to peel over those red wall votes and they're not necessarily buying his brand of effective reheated Thatcherism so I'm not sure he's necessarily the right messenger I'm not sure it's the right message at the time and I think it's more about being a spoiler rather than putting forward any kind of intellectually coherent or politically possible platform to really just um, rival the Tories. So I think we've concluded, ultimately, Rishi Sunak had best pray. Nigel Farage doesn't come back for now. And even if Farage does come back, it's by no means obvious to me that he could repeat his success. I mean, remember last time he had a pretty good cause. He had a country where most people wanted to leave the EU, but no main political party was, was backing that cause. So that created the perfect conditions to create a new, a new protest movement. And I, I just ca- I can't see something similar happening now. But one thing we've learned from British politics over the last few years is to never say never. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I just final add, I think it's interesting that Reform UK have turned down Andrew Bridgen. They don't say they don't want him in their party. Um, no chance of defecting, given he's been suspended for his comments about the vaccine. So I think that's kind of an interesting... That you won't. I don't think it's unlikely you'll see Reform having their first MP anytime soon. But I do think there will be... I think there'll be a more substantive challenge to Rishi Sunak. And I don't think it will be over Richard Tice. I don't think it'll be over Europe. I think it'll be over growth or lack thereof. Now... There is a very, very big constituency of the Conservative Party. I would say certainly the majority of backbench MPs 
who are appalled at the um, the lack of, of of growth, the lack of policies to get growth, and simply disagree with, with Rishi Sunak that there's hardly anything you can do about it. And ultimately, can they really go into a general election saying to people, we're doomed, accept it, please adopt the brace position, but do it with a conservative crash land rather than a Labour one? There is a huge number of Tories who simply think a more inspiring offer can be made to the voters. I'm not quite sure when how that movement will emerge. I think list trust will play a role in the incubation, perhaps not a bit much more than that. But it wouldn't surprise me if ahead of the next budget we are seeing some fairly significant opposition, and not over Europe, but on lower taxes, lower regulation, and doing something to to pull Britain out of the sort of economic decline, which we seem to have settled for recently. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. And thank you for listening.